You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Turn to Luke chapter 1 in your Bibles. Don't stand just yet. We'll, I'll have you stand in just a minute. Uh, Brother Samuel uh, preached about Mary on Wednesday night. And, uh, you know, it was just such a mess. I just wanted to preach on it again and help clean up some of the things. No, <laughs> no, but uh, this is, yeah, I did a great job on Wednesday night. And, but I just felt led to preach on Mary again uh, this morning and want to bring some, a truth that, that I think is it's something that's important to me. And I think if we can, if, if we can look at it um, once or twice a year, it's one of those principles that I think um, is a help, going to be a help to us. And so, uh, you know, really, honestly, even if you preach the same message um, a couple of weeks in a row, um, if you're anything like me, you need it every time. And it's easy to forget, even from one week to the next, um, about some of these things. And, and uh, a few weeks ago, I preached out of Genesis 45, and, and we looked at Jacob's life and how uh, God moved him out of Canaan into Egypt. If you'll remember, maybe you don't. I remember that message um, a couple weeks ago. And how, how sometimes God does the unexpected. And how life is full of unexpected moments, isn't it? It's just full of unexpected things that we don't expect to have happen. And yet, if we don't respond correctly to the unexpected, we'll miss the lessons. And Jacob uh, was better off following God to Egypt than he would have been staying in Canaan. And then last week, we looked at how Jacob, um, in Genesis, Jacob had, uh, Joseph brought his sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, to Jacob, and uh, he wanted him to, and, and Jacob wanted to bless Joseph's sons. And so you've got, you know, the oldest, Manasseh and Ephraim on the left. The right hand is supposed to convey the blessing to the oldest. And yet when it was time to bless Joseph's sons, Jacob crossed his arms. And he blessed the youngest over the oldest. And how, uh, you know, we looked at how Joseph was irritated, honestly, by that. And yet sometimes God crosses his arms in our lives. And he does things that we don't expect him to do. And we, you know, the unexpected things. And so I was thinking about that as I was leading up to this message. I was like, well, a few weeks ago I preached on when God does the unexpected. Last week I preached on when God crosses his arms. And surely we're done with these, uh, this thought of unexpected circumstances coming up. But honestly, I don't know if there's a story in scripture with more unexpected circumstances than the Christmas story. So, so I'm just wondering maybe um, if somebody in here is about to have the surprise of their life. Because we're preaching about it again today. Something unexpected is about to happen to you. It's not a fortune cookie. It's uh, the message this morning. So, you know, there may not be a more unexpected moment than Mary and the angel right here in Luke chapter 1. And so let's stand together. I want to read this. And I, I try around this time of year to read it as if I'm there and trying to feel what she felt because sometimes we get used to it. And it's kind of like the cross. You know, you see crosses everywhere. We've got one in our sanctuary. People are, have them around their necks. And sometimes we get used to the fact that the cross was an instrument of torture and death. And it literally is the reason we're saved. Because Jesus died on it for us. But sometimes we get used to the cross. We can see a cross and not think about Jesus. 
And sometimes we just need to look at these stories again and remember, maybe put ourselves in that position. What were they thinking? How were they feeling? And I want you to think about that this morning as we read about Mary. Beginning in verse 26, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. If you need a Bible, there, are, there should be some in the pews around you, um, in front of you. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Um, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And and we're going to look at this, but I want you to notice the language. Um, the, The angel's not telling Mary she's going to be favored or that she is blessed. Mary was already that kind of person. And and, and I wanted, and that's a point we're going to make this morning. Just understand, Mary as a young teenage girl is already a godly, blessed, favored young lady. And we'll talk about, just want you to get that in your mind. In verse 29 it says, And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Uh, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive. Now he gets into what's going to happen. He says, this is what you are, but here's what's going to happen. Thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus... He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. You know, you might think, hey, if I heard the message like that, I'd be hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Um, But we probably would actually be more like Mary. When she asked this question in verse 34, she's not thinking about all that big stuff. She's like, okay, Mary said unto the angel, how shall this be seeing I know not a man? Like, let's just get down to the practical side of this. Okay? I mean, I know all the stuff you said, but I'm not even married. I've never been with a man. And the angel answered, verse 35, and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for with God nothing shall be impossible. So I'm doing all kinds of miracles in your family right now, Mary. It's not just you, it's Elizabeth too. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary arose in those days and went unto the hill, into the hill country with haste, into a city of Judah, and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And we could read, we're going to stop there, but she meets Elizabeth, who's carrying John the Baptist. And when Mary comes in, John the Baptist leaps, moves in the womb because the Son of God has come into his presence. You cannot tell me that that baby isn't a person. 
in the womb. It is a living person with a soul, and I don't care what the, what the doctors or the scientists or culture says today, it's not a fetus, it's a baby. And we, we've got to, anytime it's in scripture that we can point that out, we need to say that boldly and loudly, and I don't really care who's, who hears it, uh, every child in a womb is important to God and is a real person. And uh, John, I don't, that's not part of the notes, but that was free. You can just stick that in your pocket and save it for later. Okay. Um, most of us don't like it when our plans get changed. If you're like me and I have a plan and I have a way that things are going to happen and they get changed, I push back. But there's a lesson here from Mary's life that I think we need this morning. And it's not just a Christmas message. So when God asks us to do the unexpected, you can trust this. You can trust that whatever he asks you to do is better than anything he's asking you to give up. Whatever he's asking you to do is better than whatever he's asking you to give up. And the title of the message this morning is this, is God's yes is better than his no. God's yes is better than his no. Let's pray and ask God to bless our time. Father, we need you and I need you and I pray that you'd help this message to come across, not from my lips necessarily, but Lord, from the word. I pray the power would be found there and that your Holy Spirit would illuminate our hearts, illuminate the word in our hearts and that we would respond appropriately. And uh, Lord, I pray that if there's anybody here this morning that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their savior, I pray they wouldn't leave without taking a step um, that will take courage and it will take some commitment and some surrender. And yet this truth matters in even that in that situation in somebody's life. I pray that you'd use it to make a difference this morning in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, I don't know if any of you have noticed, I certainly have noticed, but winter is here. This week has been, well, the last couple of weeks, I mean, has been a little bit of a reminder of winter. If you're, if you're not the, the kind that takes bad news well, I just want to tell you, don't look at this week's forecast. There's too many minuses. I'm like, this has got to be a, uh, a typo. No, we've been in South Dakota. Our family has been in here for a few years now. And, but one thing that I, I seem to forget about is, is when, when it, the roads get bad again and the ice comes and the snow comes, one thing that I have to get used to again is that cars don't like to stop on ice or snow. And, and, and maybe you're like me, you know, I get used to driving all summer and I'm not really thinking about braking distance, I'm just stopping when I need to stop. And, and, and yet suddenly the, the South Dakota winter comes along and reminds you who's really in charge. And maybe this has happened to you. I mean, just this week, I wasn't thinking about stopping until I needed to stop because I just haven't been in that mode. And I find myself, found myself um, doing this, you know, one of those things. The South Dakota hokey pokey, you know, you're, it's like you're trying to stop your car and no matter what you think or what you say or how hard you press, the car is not stopping. And you've probably, if you drive, you've probably been there and I've been there and 
Fortunately, it didn't turn into anything bad for me this week, but, but that happens. And no matter how passionately you pump and no matter how hard you break, you don't get to choose when you stop. And, and in some ways, I think that's a picture of life. And that we're going along like normal and, and we're just driving along. We're not thinking about what's coming next. We have a plan. We have a place to go. We have a path that we're on. And then suddenly an unexpected variable shows up in our lives. And we're doing everything in our power to stop it. And we're pumping the brakes. And we're slamming on the brakes. We're doing whatever it takes. And nothing is changing our direction. Have you ever felt like that in life? Where, where it, you know, it's almost like life is living you and you're not in control. And that happens in life. And, and we're pumping the brakes and we're trying to do whatever we can. And we're praying prayers of emergency prayers. You know, stop this, Lord, help me. This can't be right. And, and you know, I'm pretty sure that Mary felt that way when the angel first came to her. Now, you, you talk about the ultimate unexpected circumstance I mean this is sliding on ice at its at its ultimate see Mary is told that God is going to wrap himself in human flesh and be placed inside of her womb and and this was the savior who would save his people God's people from their sins that's what the angel told Joseph he would be supernaturally conceived by the Holy Ghost and it's exciting to us and we we get kind of pumped up about it. It's Christmas time and we decorate and we have a good time and, and we get together with family and all of that. But I want you just to imagine, even though it's exciting to us and we're used to this story, can you imagine how scary it would be to be told this? I mean, all three accounts of the angels, and by the way, just a plug for Sunday school, Brother Mark Griebel's teaching on angels in Sunday school in here and he did it this morning with the, the couples class I think was in here. And next week I think the adults will be in here again. And, uh, and I would encourage you to be there. Come to Sunday school, 945. If you're not in that habit, uh, it's a helpful habit to be in. And uh, fellowship and teaching and just kind of gets you going for the day. I would encourage you to be here next week at 945. But the angels, all three accounts um, in the New Testament of the angels coming... So the angels came to, to Joseph, Mary, they came to Joseph, and they came to the shepherds. And if you read all three accounts, at some point the angels are saying, don't be afraid. Uh, fear not. You know, I, it's almost, yeah, you know, I'm not, you know, the angels are trying to reassure them. You know, the, this host of angels in the sky on the hillside to the shepherds, uh, fear not. We bring good tidings. The, the angel tells Joseph, don't be afraid to marry Mary. Uh, the angel tells Mary, fear not, don't be afraid. Uh, and, and that's, in, in, if you can imagine how scary it would be to hear this, not only from an angel, but just to hear this news. If an angel appeared to me, I would be afraid. Uh, but, but we'd be pumping the brakes. We'd be, no, this isn't the plan. You know, but, but that's, I really believe that's of what Mary was thinking. She was no small part of the plan. I mean, she was going to carry this baby. She was fully invested. I mean, Joseph wasn't going to be carrying the, baby, carrying the baby. The shepherds, we don't know that they had any interaction with Jesus outside of that night that they went to the manger. Uh, so Mary, though, there's no way she could escape this. She was the one that everywhere she went, people would look at her and say, oh, there's Mary. You know, she's the pregnant one. She's fully invested. 
The promised Messiah um, has been pro- that's been prophesied for thousands of years. She's going to carry him. She's going to deliver him. She would nurse him. She was going to be the one raising and taking care of him. It's no wonder that Gabriel said, fear not, Mary. Because that's a natural response to the unexpected. I mean, when things come up, when surprises come, I mean, that's the reason we jump when there's a surprise. Our first thought is fear. We start pumping the brakes. We step on the brakes. And, and it might be easy for us on this side of the story, but put yourself there. Don't get so used to the story that you fail to remember how hard it would have been to submit to these circumstances. I mean, think of all that Mary would have to overcome. She's likely not old. Uh, listen, in, in our culture, she wouldn't be old enough to get her driver's license, probably. But she's with child. And if she's not married, and, and she's never been with a man, but she's going to be pregnant. And being pregnant is not something you can hide. Uh, she's, she would probably lose friends over this. Her family's reputation was going to be affected by this. Uh, and her family was probably going to be upset. Add to that the pressure that she feels carrying the Messiah. This isn't just a baby. This is, these, this is big stuff. And we can act calm in here today. But if it was us, angels would be saying, don't be afraid. Don't hyperventilate. Okay, uh, I, I've gotten bad news before uh, on the phone. I remember one time my dad calling me to tell me some bad news. And, and he said, hey, hey, Jason, are you sitting down? And because he wanted me to hear it and, and not overreact to it, um, that's the angel would be like, listen, okay, sit down. Don't panic. Don't be anxious. Don't hyperventilate. I've got some news. And even though Mary was afraid, what I love about this story is she didn't allow her fear to prevent her from saying yes. See, she said, behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And that's quite a statement. The Greek word for handmaid is doule, and doule means this. It means a female slave. She says, God, listen, I'm afraid. This is unexpected. This is, you know, this is unexpected. I'm expecting, that's unexpected. And, and yet, Father, understand, I'm your slave. Whatever you ask me to do, I'm saying yes to it. Whatever, even if it's beyond my ability to comprehend, which this is, I'm saying yes. Even if it doesn't make sense to me, I'm saying yes. Even if the timing seems off, I'm saying yes. I'm afraid, I don't see how this is going to work, but I'm saying yes to the unexpected. And I started thinking, okay, how did she do this? Because this is a big deal. How do you say yes to the unexpected? Well, I believe that first Mary said yes to what she was expected, already expected to do. Mary was said yes already to what she was expected to do. I mean, th- when, when Gabriel comes, and this is what I mentioned earlier, look what he says in verse 28. The angel came into, unto her and said, Hail, thou, thou that art highly favored. Now, he doesn't say, Hail, thou that, thou that will be highly favored. 
He said, he didn't say, you're going to be highly favored. You're going to find grace in God's eyes. No, he says, you've already found grace in God's eyes. He says, the Lord is with thee. He doesn't say the Lord is going to be with thee when you grow up. Thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. These are things that, that Mary is already being described as being. See, Mary was already a godly young lady, and I believe that God, that God came to Mary, I truly believe, because she already had a pattern of saying yes to God in the small things. See, see what a great testimony, by the way, for our young people, is uh, this young lady has already decided to have a heart for God. So, so she's not saying, and a lot of young people do this, and maybe some of you do this, you say, well, when I turn 18 and I get out of the house and, and I start to live on my own, that's when I'll start to be what I'm supposed to be. But understand, Mary is probably younger than many of you right here today. And she didn't wait until she got to be older to walk with God and submit to God and surrender to God. She, as a young person, said, I'm going to love God and live for God. It doesn't matter how old I am. I'm going to do all I can for him already. And I truly believe that a big reason that God came to Mary as a young person is because she had already decided to be what she was, what she was supposed to be. She wasn't waiting until a magical moment. You know, I know I've talked about this before. Sometimes you wait till you're ready to do something. And if, you, if you're going to wait till you're ready to, to uh, buy a house or until you're ready to have children or if you're, till you're ready to get married Listen, you'll never feel ready, especially to get married. I mean, that's a big deal. And yet, sometimes we just have to decide, you know what? I'm going to operate as if that's what God wants me to do. I'm going to be what I'm supposed to be right now. So when the opportunity comes, I'm ready for it. Instead of waiting till we're ready, prepare as if it's time right now. Now, before we go too far with this, understand, I want to give you balance this does not mean that Mary is deity to be worshipped. I mean, we're going we're gonna, to um, promote her and we're going to talk about her character. But it's not because she was God. It's not because she's deity. No, she is a godly and favored woman. But what is said of her isn't even unique to her. Thou art highly favored. I mean, Noah found grace in God's sight. That's the same phrase. I mean, it's the same idea. God told Moses he found grace in his sight. David found favor before God. So as great as these words are about Mary, it doesn't make Mary something she wasn't. And that's something we've got to overcome in our culture, especially with certain religious thought and doctrine in other, in other places, that Mary is a human being just like you and I. She was not sinless. She was not God. She does not deserve to be worshipped. Only God himself should be worshipped. You know, God used her as a vessel, and she was a woman of high character, without a doubt. And these are incredible things to have said about you. But they simply mean that Mary was a godly young lady who had favor, God's favor in her life. And you don't have these things said about you unless there's already a pattern of surrender. See, Mary was selected to do more for the Lord because she was, I believe, she was already doing what was expected of her. People sometimes complain at work, and maybe you've seen this. 
People at work will say, you know, I deserve a promotion or I deserve a raise or I deserve to be the lead or I deserve to take a step in this area. Um, but, but they're not doing anything to operate as if they're already in that position. They're waiting to take a step until they get the promotion. But the idea is if you want the promotion, operate as if you're already doing that position. And when the time comes, you'll be looked at and given the opportunity to do it. Same thing in ministry. Sometimes we think, well, you know, I should be doing this or I should be serving there. And yet we're not doing anything to prepare ourselves for it. Listen, if you want the Lord to, to use you, if you want to do more for God, then be what you're supposed to be right now. And when the opportunity is ready, he'll bring it to you. See, what, are, what you are, and listen, this is very important. What you are is more important than what you do. And what you do is likely dependent on you being what you're supposed to be. So it's easy just to get caught up in what we do or accomplish. And we just want to jump in and start doing. Um, but, but that creates an empty shell Christianity. And the last thing we need to, de- to be is Pharisees. We're, we're not trying to simply do without being. And some, like when you come in and maybe you join the church and you become part of Eastside. And, and I, I like the idea of someone serving, but I like the idea of them sitting for a while and growing and becoming what they're supposed to be before people just kind of get thrust into a position and they're, they're busy and they're serving and active. No, if, you're, if you want to get there someday, then right now today determine I'm going to be what I'm supposed to be. When, so then when the opportunities come, I'm ready to step into them. To grow. That's why we encourage every newly saved person or every person that comes to Eastside and joins that we want you to go through our discipleship, our continue book, because there, uh, we, we, we want you to grow and learn the doctrines of the Bible and just prove yourself before you start taking that next step. And we've got, if you have anybody in here that'd be interested in going through discipleship, that's available. You can talk to me about it. We'll get you going in it. It's a very important step for every person at Eastside Baptist Church to take. And, and so we're, we're trying to get you there to get you to be what you're supposed to be before you just do what you're supposed to do. It's a great lesson for us. You know, our priority is to walk with God and be who we're supposed to be. Let God bring you the opportunities. You just be who you're supposed to be. You could say it this way. You say yes to the expected and you'll be more prepared to say yes when the unexpected comes along. Amen. We tend to make surrender about the big things. You know, a missions revival. I'm going to surrender to missions. And, you know, I'm going to give more uh, to missions and give more weekly. And, and I'm going to go be a better witness. And, and, but I believe that God is looking to give those opportunities to people that are doing the expected already. You're waking up in the morning. You're walking with God. You're faithful to church. You're the kind of Christian that God wants you to be. Yes, you fail, but you're making his house a priority. And you confess your sin. And you're faithful and consistent. Listen, the opportunities will come if you'll be that kind of person. Mary said yes to being what she was supposed to be. And then she said yes to doing what she was supposed to do. Now, her initial reaction was fear. Verse 29 says, when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. She cast in her mind. She's thinking, what, what manner of salutation this should be? I think this guy has the wrong number. That's the Greek translation of that verse. This cast in her mind. What's, what is he talking about? 
you know, an angel strikes fear and Gabriel tells Mary, here's what God wants you to do. And she's kind of reeling. She's troubled. He says, you're going to conceive. You're going to bring forth a son. You're going to call his name Jesus. He shall be great. He's going to be the son of the highest. He's going to sit on David's throne. He will reign forever. And she just asks the question, how is this going to happen? I'm not even married. The Holy Ghost, we find out, is going to perform a miracle. There's nothing strange about this. This is just God, the whole, through the, the God, the Holy Ghost, it supernaturally um, making Mary uh, conceive and have a baby. It, she's a virgin, and yet God comes along and says, I'm going to make you have uh, this conceive a baby and, and bear the Son of God. And you think, that's impossible. Don't you think Mary's probably thinking, this sounds impossible. And yet what the angel says, he uses the example of, of Elizabeth in verse 36. He says, behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she is also conceived, a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for with God nothing shall be impossible. I love that. And what, what, I love that, that the angel uses an example in somebody else's life and says, okay, listen, I know you think this is impossible, but I want you to consider your cousin Elizabeth. She's, she's an older lady. She's been barren her whole life, yet she's going to have a baby because, why? Well, because with God, nothing's impossible. So don't assume that God can't do this because here's an example of somebody over here in Elizabeth who God's already done a miracle in. And if God can do a miracle in her life, he can do this in your life. And I, I'd love to just stop and talk about that for a while See, the Christmas story should remind us that nothing is impossible with God. I mean, that these are miracles and that God can do whatever he wants to do and, and there's nothing that limits him. And, and that's an exciting part of the Christmas story. And I believe that had a big part in Mary's answer when she said, Behold, basically, behold thy handmaid. Whatever God's word says, I'm going to do it. And you know she knew what, what saying yes meant, don't you? I mean, she knew that saying yes to then, this meant she was going to lose some friends. And she knew that this, this means the gossipers were going to have a field day. She knew that her family would take some flack. She knew that Joseph, this would be hard on him. She knew that she was going to be judged. But she said she accepted it and she said yes and then went to see her cousin Elizabeth who was also experiencing God's impossible miracle in her life. And the lesson in Mary uh, in this point here is that when God's word makes the task clear, there's no reason to wait. Just trust him and take action. It says she with haste went to see Elizabeth. See, obedience doesn't wait for the right moment. See, and I, so we're talking about being what you're supposed to be. Say yes to that first. Be what you're supposed to be. Walk with God. Be a good Christian. Do the small things. Then when God comes along and says, okay, now it's time for you to do what you're supposed to do, you've got nothing holding you back. I mean, so if you take care of the things in your life, the sin in your life and the, the things in your life over here and just be what you're supposed to be. When the opportunities come, you'll be ready to take the steps of action. Listen, you say, yeah, but, but, but look at all that it cost her and think about how hard it was for her. Well, think about how much harder it would have been if Mary wasn't who she was supposed to be already. That would have been a delay in her life. 
But in the end, because she was who she was supposed to be, then she was able to take action when God came along and said, listen, here's what I want you to do. She just said, you know what? If God's word says do it, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to get, make, make him explain it to me. I'm not going to wait for better timing. No, no matter how hard the sacrifice is, no matter how hard it sounds, I'm going to say yes to God because saying yes means I say yes to everything. And it's not always easy because while Mary is saying yes, and here's, here's really the, the crux of this today, while Mary is saying yes, God is saying no to Mary's plans. So Mary is saying yes to God, and at the same time, God is saying no to her plans. I mean, think about it. Mary had her own plans. I can guarantee you that Mary, if she was a spouse to Joseph, which is it's a betrothal, it's, it's like an engagement. They were, they were committed to each other, although the wedding typically would take place later after the uh, a year or so of this espousal so she's engaged but they haven't come together in marriage as a couple yet and and so she's going to marry Joseph you know she's dreaming about it you know she's thought about it I mean every little girl thinks about that I mean I remember my wife telling me that she used to dress up as a bride when she was little I'm like I don't I mean that never crossed my mind but that's how little girls think you know, they, they dream about the day. They, they romanticize it. They, they can't wait to be a bride. And I know the culture is different, but you know that that was part of her thinking as well. In her mind, she had her plans. She's going to marry Joseph. She's going to have babies. She's going to take care of the house. She's going to take care of her husband. She's going to watch her kids grow up. She's going to drive a minivan to soccer practice. You know, all the dreams... Of all, of all the moms everywhere. Eventually have grandbabies. Just live a normal Jewish life in, an, in, a, in a suburb of Nazareth and just kind of live. But here God comes to her and he's essentially saying no to all that. He was saying that's your plan. But it's not my plan. See it's hard to give up what you've always dreamed about isn't it? I can guarantee you this. This isn't the way she envisioned it. I can guarantee you she didn't think about getting pregnant before she got married. I can guarantee you that her plan was not this. Many people in this room, this has happened to many of you. Many of us have come to terms at times with the distance between our dreams and reality. And very often our dreams are way over here. Reality is way over here. That's just the way life is. And you sometimes just have to come to terms with it. Because the Lord is asking here, Mary, he's asking her to say no to the life that she's always planned. And sometimes, folks, God does that to us. See, sometimes God says no to the job that you thought was the job. And sometimes no, God says no to the house that you really wanted. And sometimes God says no to the, the person that you thought was the one. Sometimes God says no to children right now. And sometimes God says no to your plans. He says no to your dreams. And listen, Mary, if she wanted, she could have resisted. She could have said her own no to God. She could have said not now. She could have said not me. 
But we have to understand something that I believe Mary came to terms with. That's this. When God says no to something, we have to trust that he's saying yes to something better. Mary understood this based on her answer. She said, behold the hand, thy handmaid. I'm, I'm your female servant. I'm your slave, Lord. Whatever it is that you ask of me, let it be unto me according to thy word. See, in Mary's mind in this moment, she has two options. She can follow her plans or she could submit to God's plans. And there's tension between the two, isn't there? Let's just be honest, okay? I know, I know we're spiritual. I know we, we look the part today. But let's just be honest. There are plenty of times when we have our plans and God comes along with something different and there's tension. And we're like, but this is what I want. I want this. This is what I desire. I, I want to go this direction. You know, for Mary, I want to live a normal life. I, I want to get married, then have a baby. I want to raise my children without question marks and people judging me and, and all of that. But think about God's plans. That, this, that if Mary says no to this over here, that she gets to be the first person to ever experience God in the flesh on earth. To carry and deliver and raise the Messiah. To have God in the flesh dwell in her. I mean, she, yeah, she had to say no to her ideas. But what she was saying yes to was the greatest opportunity that any young woman has ever had. She got to have a part in God's kingdom eternal plans to save sinners in a way that nobody else could ever have a part in like her. And even though there's tension between her plans and God's plans, one thing is clear. That God's yes was greater than his no. See, we get so hung up on the no's and we, we fail to see that God's yes is better than the no's. And as a Christian, it's easy to be focused on the no's. And we're so used or so focused on what we're giving up that we lose sight of what we could gain. And Brother Samuel talked about this on Wednesday night, walking with God. I'm mean, Listen, if you want to have a relationship with God, you're going to have to say no to a lot of things. You're going to have to say no to sleep. And if you're like me and it's cold and you, in the morning you wake up, I mean, getting out of bed is the last thing I want to do. It's warm in there. You're sleepy. It feels good. You don't want to wake up. But if you're going to walk with God, you're going to have to say no to that. Or if you're going to have to give something up. You're going to have to say no to time that you want to spend on other things. You're going to have to say no to entertainment times. You're going to have to say no to certain friends if you want to walk with the Lord. See, our, our, these are our plans. But saying no, though, think, means that we get to say yes to a relationship with God. So we say yes to, when we say yes to God, it, it, walking with him, we say yes to becoming like Christ, which is your life's purpose. And that yes, I'm telling you, the yes is better than the no. And you just have to decide that your spiritual growth is more important than what you're giving up over here. See, I, I think about church, and there's a lot of no's 
when it comes to church. I mean, they, listen, all of us could have a, a list of reasons why we're not here this morning. Well, there's always something else to do. And the list of no's is long, and especially if you work all week and you have just a, a short amount of time off on the weekend. Listen, I understand there are things to do, and, and, and yet you're going to have to decide, do I value my spiritual growth more, or do I value all the other things over here that I could be doing instead? I mean, there's a, there are all kinds of things being done on Sundays that you could be a part of. And they're not all wrong. I'm not saying that doing something on a Sunday um, is, is necessarily wrong. Um, but it is the Lord's Day. And, and he told us in, in Exodus 20 that we ought to give him one day a week, every week. And so are you going to decide then that what you have going on Sundays is more important than his plan for your spiritual growth in the local church? See, I, listen, it's not me trying to drum up business. That's not what we're doing here. I just know Ephesians chapter 4 talks about church, talks about how we are grown up into Jesus Christ through that local church, the ministry of the local church. Listen, God's plan for your spiritual growth is that you walk with God on your own and that you spend time in a local church growing that way as well. He does, never meant for, all of, for any of us to do this all on our own. That community of believers, he expects that of us and he wants the best for us in doing it. But many families in this room, many families in this room a long time ago decided that they're going to say no to all this over here. So they could say yes to God on Sundays because that's the priority for their family. And I'm telling you, there are some times when it's inconvenient and there are some times when it's hard. But I can tell you this, every family that's here today that said no a long time ago has, and is enjoying the spiritual growth that God brings by being a part of a local church, every one of them would tell you it's worth it. You have to believe that God's yes is greater. I think about raising children for God. You want to train and, and discipline. And that means you're going to have to say no to being their best friend sometimes. Because sometimes you just want your kids to just, you just want them to, oh, I just want them to like me. Well, sometimes being the authority in their lives means you're not going to get to be their best friend. You're going to have to take some steps. And, and you think, well, they're not going to like that. Well, maybe they won't in the moment. But the more they grow, the more you train and discipline and instill truth in them. They'll start to see the value as they get older. And I'm telling you, not, they don't always all make the right choices. But you are raising the, the chances, the, the likelihood that your children will grow up and serve and love and follow God. If you will practice biblical training and discipline in their lives. But it's going to take some no's along the way. Literally. No, 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 no. Sometimes it feels like that's all you do as a parent is say no, 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 no. You're going to have to say no to certain kinds of entertainment if you want to raise your children to love and follow God. You're going to have to say no to convenience. You're going to have to say no to, to certain things you'd rather be doing. But, but listen, if the yes is children who obey and then grow up and love and serve God with all their heart, listen, that's worth the no's. This principle is true in every walk of life. I mean, it, it, as in your marriage, if you, if you want to say yes to a good, strong marriage, uh, husbands and wives are going to have to say no to selfishness. In other words, you can't make your relationship all about you if you want a healthy marriage. You're going to have to say no to pride. 
There are going to be times where you, you have to say no to what you would prefer to be doing because your marriage is worth it. I'm telling you, and if you experience a godly, strong marriage, it's worth the no's so you can have the yes. You have to say no to fear so you can walk, so you can be a witness. Listen, there's so many areas, but I want to just give you this one in salvation. See, Jesus Christ came to earth to die for your sins. And he did it to save us from our sins. See, all of us, we have a sin nature, and our, that sin nature means that we are destined, we are, it, it, we are headed already to separation from God in a place called hell forever. That's where we deserve to be because of our sin. We had to pay for our sin. The wages of sin is death. Um, but Jesus Christ, God's own son, came and died on a cross to die for our sins. And if we will place our faith in him, he's already paid for your sins. You might, have well, might as well accept the payment. He came to give you eternal life so you could dwell with him. But many, many people, listen, many people, just like Mary, she could have said no. And many people, though, do say no to God's gift of salvation. You could say not now. I mean, right now, there's somebody in this room, I, I believe in a group this size, somebody in this room, and you say, I don't know if I died today that I'd spend eternity in heaven. I don't know that I've ever placed my faith in Jesus Christ. And right now, in your heart, you're thinking, well, not today. Not now. And you could, you could put it off and say, I'm going to wait for a better time. Listen, there's no better time. Today is the day of salvation. And if you will just submit yourself to God's plan for your eternity, I'm telling you, you'll have to say no to some things. You're going to have to say no to you working your way to heaven and no to the plans that you thought were the way to heaven. But by saying yes to Jesus Christ's plan means you get eternal life in heaven with God forever. I'm telling you, whatever you have to give up and say no to in order to have that, it's well worth it. It's worth the no's so you can have that yes. And, and God's yes is greater than the no. If we continue with our plans and when it comes to salvation, we'll miss out on eternity with God. We, we never, we'll never have victory over sin. We'll never have peace and we'll never have uh, God's, God's help. We'll never have uh, a part in God's big plans for life. Listen, saying yes to Jesus is superior than no to, to whatever plans you have in life. And today's the day, folks. Today's the day. Stop focusing on what you're going to have to give up and focusing on what you're going to have to lose and instead focus on what you gain. Eternal life. Peace, finally. I mean, you've lived your whole life and you wonder when you go to bed at night what's going to happen if you die in your sleep. Well, I'm telling you, there's nothing like having the peace knowing that Jesus Christ has saved you from your sin and you don't have to worry about that anymore. You can have a part in God's plan. You can have access to his power and victory over that sin that's plagued you your whole life. You know, all great, these things are all greater than whatever knows we'll deal with. And listen, in case you're wondering, if it sounds unfair that God would ask that of us, just think about his son. Because when that garden went before the cross in that garden, Jesus Christ was there and he said, he said Father, if it be thy, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, thy will be done. Here's the thing. Jesus Christ, in his body, his physical body, because he was 100% human, 100% God. 
he had a body. Nobody would want to go through crucifixion. And he said, Father, please take this cup from me. Nevertheless, if it be thy will. I mean, thy will be done, Father. And he had to say no to what his body would have preferred. To say yes to something. And listen, be thankful he did that he was willing to say no because the yes was far greater. If he, had not, if he hadn't said no, then we wouldn't get to say yes to him in eternal life. We would not have the opportunity to be saved. So before we think that it's unfair that God would ask these things of us, understand this is a principle that he lives by himself. He's willing to say no to certain things because there's a better yes. And you could read this, we're not going to, but read Mary, all the things that she, and she wrote a song in verse 46 through 55. Go home and read it at some point. And she just proclaims all the things that she got as a result of saying yes to God. And you tell me after reading it, would it have been worth it for Mary to say no? Well, when you read what she says, all those yeses, man, I'm telling you, it was way better than whatever a plan she had for her life. And it's not worth it for us. It's time to submit to God's plan and submit to whatever God's asking you to do. Here's the principle again. What you gain by saying yes to God is greater than anything you lose saying no. What you gain saying yes to God is greater than anything you'll lose saying no. It's true in salvation. And there's some in here, and right now you've got turmoil. You're troubled. And you're, you're, you're concerned. You're worried. You're anxious. You're not settled. Listen, if you'll say no to that and turn to Jesus Christ, you can have peace. Everlasting life. Some of you in here, you've, there's something in your life that God, you know God wants you to surrender, but, but it's part of your plans and you like the control. But who's, who do you trust more? Do you trust that your, your control in your hands is better? Or if God has control, would he do a better job with whatever he's asking of you? Well, clearly, if you'd surrender to him, his yes is better than whatever no he's asking of you. Maybe there's a sin in your life and the effects of sin are plaguing you and destroying you. You have to say no to that if you want to be like Jesus Christ. So the no, listen, the no is hard, but the yes is better. And it's time for us to stop focusing on what we lose. Don't focus on the changes you've got to make and, and how hard it's going to be. No focus on what you gain by saying yes to God. It always outweighs the no's. It was true for Mary, it's true for you. What is God asking you to say yes to today? What do you think that he wants in your life that you're holding something back and what you're holding back is far inferior to what he wants to do with your life? Is it salvation, Christian? Is it some area of surrender in your life? I can guarantee you this, God will make the yes worth it. And, and the, when you say yes to God, it makes those no's that you were holding on to for so long, you think, why did I hold on to those? Because what I gain in surrendering to God is greater than anything I lose saying no. Let's stand together. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.